Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, happy Wednesday night. We got ourselves a full house tonight. Very nice. Very nice. We've asked the young people and the hyphenators, our young adults, to come in here. And for the next couple weeks, it's going to be a, a little different. It's not going to be your, your typical Wednesday wisdom that, that we all deeply enjoy. But what we're going to do is take you through what we are calling our First Steps program. When I say first, you say steps. First, first, very good. First Steps. This is a curriculum that we are going to be implementing at the sanctuary beginning in October. We are going to the plan right now, of course, things could change, but the plan at the moment is to offer this class during Sunday school at 10 a.m. Step one, two, three, and four will be the first, second, third, and fourth Sunday of the month. And then hopefully as we transition into the new year, the hope would be is that these steps would actually take place after church where we could provide child care and meals for all those that want to come and attend the classes. Now, we don't want to bite off more than we can chew right now, so at the moment we're going to start Sunday mornings. The plan of the Lord tarries in October. And so pastor's vision is to take first steps for the next four Wednesday nights, and we're just going to walk the church through these steps together. Does that sound good? That sound all right? So the plan is what we want to do is we want to offer a class as soon as we don't want you to go through a nine-month discipleship course in order for you to get involved. Now, we want everybody to go through the nine-month discipleship course. I can testify that it changed my life going through levels one, two, and three on Sunday mornings. But we want everybody to be involved and be a part of the sanctuary as soon as possible. As soon as they come into this place, we want them to feel like they belong here, that they can become a part of this family, that they can move forward and go beyond in the talents and the capabilities that God has given them and us. Now, I'm not, here, here's the deal. Here's what we hear a lot at the sanctuary. We, I don't know where I fit in. I've been going here for a while and I can't find my place. The purpose of these steps is to eradicate the excuses and to be able to take hold of people as soon as they can. So you are welcome all to go through the steps in October, but we don't anticipate all of our members and our longtime goers here, our family members at the sanctuary, because then we would, we would fill up that class pretty crazy. And so we were going to offer it. Our Sunday school teachers or our Wednesday night children's church teachers upstairs, they'll be able to watch it online. And so we're just going to take the next four weeks and go through this together. Does that sound good? That sound all right? The question you might be asking right now is, what is First Steps? Turn to your neighbor and say, what is First Steps? Turn to someone behind you and be like, what is this guy talking about? What is he doing? What is happening here? Why is he here? Where's pastor? 
The point of first steps is we want everybody to be a part of the sanctuary. And what the sanctuary is, is we are the team. We're on one team. We're together one accord with one vision, and that is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, to change lives. That includes ours, North County, St. Charles County, the greater St. Louis area. We want to be able to change the world. We are a team with a purpose to move forward. And in order to be a part of that team, there's a process. The good thing is, is the process doesn't take six months or two years. It takes four weeks. Four steps for someone to come in and be a part, then boom, they are able to join the team. What is first steps, you asked? Well, I'll answer. First steps is designed to give everyone, and I mean everybody, the opportunity to find out more about the sanctuary. First step serves as a basic introduction to what we value as a church family. Since we have members from many different church backgrounds, these steps are designed to clearly explain who we are and what we as a family, as a team, value. First steps guides us to discover our purpose and live the life God created for us. First Steps is made up of four steps that equip us to follow Jesus, connect to the church, discover our purpose, and serve others. So I'm going to briefly go through the four steps, and then I'm going to cover step one. Does that sound good? All right, so what I'm going to do, class is in session, folks. We have these goals. What you guys are going to do is you're just going to take a brief look at them and then you're going to pass them to your neighbor and just keep passing. You can glance at them. You could take as long as you want. Um, just plead the blood of Jesus over the pages. No COVID. And it'll be fantastic. But go ahead and just kind of look through it, pass it around. These are the brochures, the manuals, whatever you want to call it, that we are going to be handing out to people. And of course, you all will be able to have access to those if you would like them. Everybody say step one. Step one, what is the sanctuary? Step one, what is the sanctuary? This will happen on the first Sunday of every month, which is also tonight. This step will explain the sanctuary story and find out what we're all about. At the end, you'll get a chance to become a part of this amazing family known as the team. Step two is a place to belong. This step helps you discover your personality and gifts and see how they indicate your purpose in life and your best fit in ministry. At the sanctuary, we believe everyone was created and everyone was created with a God-given purpose. And one of the reasons we exist as a church is to help everyone discover that purpose and get them plugged in as soon as possible possible. Step two happens the second Sunday of every month, and that will take place next week. And the great, amazing Sister Joy Bland will be teaching this step. Step three, a place to become. This will help us explore the ministry focus of the sanctuary and find out what makes us unique. We use step three to answer some important questions that perhaps some of you are already asking in this place. Step three happens the third Sunday of every month, and that will take place two weeks from tonight. And pastor will be teaching that.
Step four, a place to go beyond. We want to get everyone connected to a team as quickly as possible because there's nothing as fulfilling as making a difference in someone's life. Amen? So we get to connect to the opportunities available at the sanctuary to live out our purpose and serve others by using our gift. Step four will happen on the fourth Sunday of every month. This will take place September 14th, which will be the fall ministry fair. Say it with me. Fall ministry fair. And it is going to be one of the greatest nights of your life. And we will talk more about that. Step one is, what is the sanctuary? Very good. Well, when the sanctuary was first founded in North County, the goal was simple. Help people connect with God so they might reach their full potential. And from that guiding principle, the sanctuary was focused on teaching the Word of God to all ages, reaching out to the non-churched community and building relationships. The life-giving message of the gospel, the passion and joy of Sunday services, and the family nature of the sanctuary has made it home to people from all walks of life. And today we have hundreds of people attend our weekend services and many more participate at a distance joining online. I think it's safe to say that God is at work at the sanctuary, and I'm so thankful for that. So the focus of the sanctuary, it has three parts. Everyone say belong. belong. Be a place for people to belong and build meaningful relationships. Number two, everyone say become. Yeah. Be a place for people to become everything God calls them to be. Everyone say beyond. Yeah. Be a place for people to go beyond the church walls in service to others to enhance his gospel. So this is the DNA of the sanctuary, a place to belong, a place to become, a place to go beyond. Well, what does the sanctuary mean? What is the purpose of the sanctuary? Well, when you enter on the highway side, some will say that's the front, others will say it's the back. It has been debated for many years and it will be continued to be debated until the rapture comes. In my personal opinion, I believe it is the back because it is the back in which you see that is the front. Others people say, no, there's the big sign up there. You go into the Mary Dugas Fellowship Hall, whatever the case may be. When you enter the Mary Dugas, don't fight. When you enter the Mary Dugas Fellowship Hall, you will see the definition of the sanctuary on that wall, which says any place of refuge or protection, a holy or sacred place, as in a church, the most holy part of such a place. A major synonym for sanctuary is shelter. I can say through my testimony in the bottom of my heart that the sanctuary has been a shelter for my life, for my ministry, for my family, and it continues to be that way. At the sanctuary, one of our main focuses is we attend weekend services and midweek Bible studies. And we enjoy that very much. Our love for God, of course, is not confined to any one day of the week, but we express it publicly on Sundays as a family of believers. And I love Sundays. 
We set aside Sunday to emphasize our love for God through worship and community. We also believe in midweek service. Our Wednesday night wisdom Bible studies with Pastor Bland literally change lives every week. We meet together. Our hyphen young adults meet together in the hyphen room. Our young people gather together in the youth center. Our children meet upstairs and together we worship and we hear the word of God. So in both services, they do share a couple common denominators. Number one, worship. We praise God at the sanctuary. We not only praise God in the sanctuary, we praise God at the sanctuary. Why Psalm 151? Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Number two, hear. We hear the preached Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Number three, pray. We pray together. It's important to pray in private, but there's something altogether different when we pray together. In Acts 4, when a, a group of believers gathered in the second floor, the place was shaken by what? It was shaken by their prayers. Number four, connect. Connect with the body of Christ. Scripture says that only iron can sharpen iron. Proverbs 27, 17. So when we connect with one another, we grow stronger. Everyone is welcome to be a part of these steps at the sanctuary. It's also important that everyone here represents biblical Christianity. And the book of Acts, in doing so, we commit ourselves to God and to the other members to do the following. Number one. I will protect the unity of my church. Romans 14, 19, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another by acting in love toward other members. Not only members, but family. Romans 15, 5, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ. Jesus. We do this by what? By refusing to gossip. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. By trusting and following the leaders. Hebrews 13.17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Number two, I will share the responsibility of my church. By how? Praying for growth. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 and 2. To the church we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. By inviting the unchurched to attend. Luke 14, 23. Go out into the highways and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. By warmly welcoming those who visit Romans 15, 7, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Number three, I will fulfill the purpose of my church by discovering my gifts and talents. 1 Peter 4, 10, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards 
of the manifold grace of God. By being equipped to serve by my pastors. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, by developing a servant's heart, by reaching out to others. Philippians, why are you reading so much scripture? The carnal-minded ask in this place. Because we want everybody to know and understand that this church is planted on the Word of God. Our entire belief system has a firm foundation, and so we're diving in here. So for some of you that would think, man, I don't think that's worth practicing. It's in the Scripture. That's why we do it. This is my church. I take ownership of it. So I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to do everything that I can to edify the body of Christ. That's why Philippians 2, 4, 5, and 7, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus by taking on the very nature of a servant. Number four, I will support the testimony of my church. How will I do that? By attending church and even small fellowship groups faithfully. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, exhorting one another by living a godly life. Philippians 1.27, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What do small groups even mean? When we gather together at the church and have volleyball, when the men gather together and have softball on a Thursday night or a Tuesday night, when the ladies gather together and go out to restaurants or when they gather together to pray for prodigals in the music room, when there's a family night and we fellowship and we gather together, when we are able to go to a family camp, the groups are filled with love, joy, prayers, unity, and that's what I live by. That's what I thrive by. That's what brings healing in my life. Philippians 1.27, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then, of course, by, by giving regularly, 1 Corinthians 16.2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of all the land is the Lord's, and it is holy. Might sound hypocritical because I work here, but I love paying tithes. The moment came when I paid my tithes faithfully. In fact, I'll testify right now. A few years ago, I had a difficult time keeping up, paying my tithes. You know, I like food. You know, back in the day, you know, youth pastors, you know, they didn't make a whole lot of money. You know, they didn't make a whole lot of money under Brother Graham. They make good money under Brother Bland. But, you know... There was a recession in 08, so the economy's a little bit, well. And I was. Amen. I'll take that instead of getting my license pulled. 
There was a point where um, it was just on the website we started doing automatic payments. And I kind of felt bad. Honestly, I was convicted. I know, yes, I'm the guy that's not really paying tithes, and I'm convicted about automatic payments because with automatic payments, I felt like I wasn't giving joyfully unto the Lord. It was just taken out of my bank account, snatching that money. So I talked to the good old bishop, Bishop Tim Dugas, and he said, well, you are sacrificially giving in joy because you have no idea what's going to happen. You're putting God first by doing that. I said, okay, I'm going to do that. Ever since I started automatic payments, I never had to worry about finances. Am I rich? No, not yet. <laughs> However, though, I never had to struggle financially as soon as I stepped forth and went ahead with those automatic payments. So as a tithe payer, God blesses those who give. This Sunday's Move the Missions, I said it before and I'll say it again, I pledged $500 and I wasn't able to pay it. I just bought a house, I had no money. And then I thought, you know what? I felt prompted in the Holy Ghost. I gave $1,000. That very night after I gave, our aunt out of nowhere, who is not in church, we're not very connected well to, gave us $5,000 for the down payment of our house. You can call it a coincidence. I call it God being God. He blesses those who faithfully give. Moving forward, so at the sanctuary, there are seven ways the book of Acts church is re has revealed their love for God. And what we do is the foundation of the book of Acts church, you can find it all throughout the sanctuary. And I love it when people ask, what's the Pentecostal church? In fact, I don't know if I get in trouble or not. The Missouri State Board might tell me, but I was doing counseling last night, do weekly counseling with a man, do some marriage counseling, and uh, marriage was going good. I guess I was doing a pretty good job. And uh, he came in. And he's like, I don't want to talk about the marriage. The marriage is, is doing well. I said, praise God. That's awesome. I go, what do you want to talk about? He goes, I want to talk about something else. I said, okay. He goes, what's your story? I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, I have a hard time believing in God. How do you believe in God? I said, so, let me get this straight. You're asking me why I believe in God? Whoa, the Reader's Digest version of Search for Truth Bible study came right out and I told him exactly why I believe in God. And I started with talking about how we are a book of Acts church. What's a book of Acts church? Number one, they experience the new birth. John 3, 5, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Number two, they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God has come and through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, we can be restored to relationship with him. Acts 2.38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, wait, you baptize in Jesus' name? Yes, let me tell you all about it. It was a great counseling session. Number three, they anticipated the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Number four, they live differently. Then unbelievers, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, they believed 
Jesus is God. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the word of God, received up in glory. Number six, they gathered in small groups during the week in houses. Acts 20.20, I did not shrink back from declaring anything that was helpful to you as I taught you publicly and from house to house. Number seven, they gathered together for worship. Acts 27, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. That's a book of Acts church. And in my 16 years at the sanctuary, it's safe to say that I experienced the book of Acts church. Did I experience a perfect church? No. Am I a perfect person? Not even close. But I gather together and I worship with a large group of imperfect people with the goal of striving for righteousness and holiness. The Bible says no one is righteous, no, not one. I get that. I'm going to strive for righteousness as much and as hard and as fast as I can. And my testimony is, and I'll keep saying it over and over and over, I don't have a family here. In 2003, I came here on an airplane expecting to go to a college that provided bedding and water that did not make you go bald. <laughs> Neither was the case. I came here not knowing to expect. I met a beautiful lady and married her who I did not deserve. We had no family here, so we had to grow them. And now this family of four has a massive family, and when I look around, I could name names of individuals that have shaped my life, that have shaped my wife's life, that have shaped my children's lives, and all the departments and what leaders have given and invested in us. The sanctuary is more than just a building. It's more than just emotions. It's experience that changes everything. And I am a product of the sanctuary. It's hard to say that a staff member is a product. I am here today because of this church. Well, this, this church, <laughs> I mean, they, they hired you. How are you here because of them? They brought you in and they hired you. Well, they found out who I was and continue to hire me. And thank you, Brother Graham, for not firing me. <laughs> for 13 years, he could have. Bishop Dugas would always say, well, it's too much work to hire another one, so we'll just try to figure you out. <laughs> Let me close with this if the musicians could come. I'm kidding. Several centuries ago, ancient China, we can put up the slide, wanted to secure its borders from its northern invaders, so they built what was called the... Very good to protect the border. The massive wall stretched for 1,500 miles. It was 12 to 40 feet wide and 20 to 50 feet high. It was a monster. The wall was too high for the enemy to scale, too thick to tear down, and too long 
to go around. They also posted soldiers at different places. It was built wide enough for chariots to drive back and forth to patrol. If they heard an attack at a distant location, they could easily get to it. They were up high giving them superior advantage over their enemies. They knew that they had protected their borders sufficiently against all enemies. It was built wide enough on the top for soldiers and horses and armies to gather all over the place. It was an absolute, like I said, phenom. Nothing, the ingenuity, nothing touched it back in the day. It was considered by many impenetrable. It was a sanctuary. What's interesting though, in the first 100 years of the Great Wall of China, the nation was invaded not once, not twice, but three times. We're talking about a wall that was the highest wall at one point recorded in the entire world. Chariots literally drove on it. Hundreds upon hundreds of soldiers could stand and march on it. How was that even possible? Well, what would happen is enemies would bribe gatekeepers and they would enter the land undetected. We are the sanctuary. We are a safe place. But if we depend on the walls of the sanctuary as our safety, if we depend on this church building, which is beautiful, that has room for expansion and development to where we can have thousands of people coming here, where we are able to facilitate many, many, many different conferences where we hear countless people say, your building is beautiful and amazing. We are the sanctuary. We are massive. We are powerful. We are tall. We are amazing. But we are not a building. We are a people. That's why we have to strive and not only preach the gospel, not only attempt to live by it, but literally wear it as an armor. Wear it as a suit. Every day when I get out of my house, I wear the gospel so that I can not only preach by it, but live by it so I can be consumed by it. This is why at the sanctuary, we are firm believers of the Book of Acts Church. We are firm believers of doctrine. We are firm believers of holiness standards and striving for righteousness. And we will not stop. And like Pastor has said time and time again, yes, we are expanding. Yes, we're rolling out new programs. Yes, there's even new lighting. It is exciting. The music is louder. 4K cameras that can see the pores in my skin. But that does not change what we believe as a people. We are an Acts 238 church and you will find that message of the one name apostolic God, Jesus Christ. Baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. That's who we are. We are more than just a building. But we wear this gospel. We can stand. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Imagine when people that are broken and hurting come into the sanctuary and see that kind of activity. Imagine when sanctuary members are being torn apart by all types of situations in their family. They can come in this place, and this is the safest place to be among the people. Hallelujah. Amen. I slammed my iPad too hard and I went all the way over. I was doing so good. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what the sanctuary is all about. We are more than just a, a building. We are more than just a people. We are about wearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only do we preach it out there, amen, but we live it in here. That's the first steps. That's what we do. And what, we, what the great wall of China could have learned was from in Nehemiah. It says when Nehemiah was leading the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem, any enemies of the Israelites kept trying to attack them while they worked. But yet Nehemiah shows how great teamwork helped get the job done. Half of the Israelites worked on the wall while the other half stood guard. Everyone worked together to rebuild the wall. We are imperfect people, so we got to keep building and rebuilding, building and rebuilding, building and rebuilding, building and rebuilding, and we don't stop until that rapture happens. Yeah. So the purpose of the curriculum of the first steps is as soon as somebody comes in, the, in this room, through the hallways, they could feel the power of the Holy Ghost on the very presence of the people who walk by. Are we there yet? Only you can tell me that, but I feel like we're getting very close and we're putting everything that we can do. So step one was tonight. Next week we'll do step three. Next, the week after that we'll do uh, step one, step two, step three. It was week three and then week four we're going to have our big ministry fair. And then at that ministry fair you will be able to get the opportunity to purchase one of these amazing multicolored team t-shirts. If you are a leader, a department head leader, you get one for free. Everyone else has to buy one for $15 or go through the four steps. <laughs> so essentially, this is what we do. We offer these t-shirts. As soon as they go through the four steps, a new member comes in here, a new person comes in here, a guest comes in here, they get their free t-shirt. And so when we have a fall festival, when we have an Easter egg dash, when we have a party in the park, when we have any type of event, we wear this so everybody will know, find a team member. Why? Because we are the team. We are the sanctuary. Amen? Let's pray together that God would fulfill the vision that our pastor has for us, that God would manifest the unity and the power that he has called this church to have in this community. King Jesus, we know we don't deserve this. But we're thankful, Lord, for your precious blood that was shed at Calvary. We receive your forgiveness, Lord God. We receive your power. We receive your grace. And we pray, Lord God, that you'd anoint every step, that you'd anoint every person in this place, all of our great young people who came out, our young adults, all of our married, our elders, our singles, our everybody in this place, Lord God. Everybody has a place to rebuild the wall. Everybody has a talent and a capability and ability to enhance and to wear your gospel and it is not by us. You give it to us, and we give you all the praise and all the glory, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, can we clap our hands and thank him?
for what he is going to do and what he's continuing to do right now. What's awesome is next week when Sister Joy uh, teaches, uh, we'll be handing out a bunch of uh, diagnostic tools and we're all going to sit down and kind of uh, look at our talents and our capabilities uh, both in the world as well as spiritually and to try to find, because I know there have been people in this room that have been here for quite a long time, they're like, I just don't know where I fit in. Well, we want to wipe that away. Everybody has a place. There is no excuse. You could be on the wall, you could be in front of the wall, you can be behind the wall. But God wants to use you. Amen. How about this? Since you guys were such a good audience, I'm going to let you out six minutes early. So you guys can go ahead and talk among yourselves. Parents, you got six minutes to let the little rud rats hang out and drive Sister Elizabeth crazy. Love you guys. God bless. We'll see you all on Sunday.